<laughs> I mean it, all of you. Come join us, sort of spread out a little bit. Right, this is fun. Um, great to be here. That was fantastic in worship. I love this house. I love you very much, Tim. You are the man. Thank you for what you brought. Today's message, I'm going to call it the church, not the club. The church, not the club. Some of, some of y'all went to the club last night. <laughs> some of y'all been sinning. Then, no, nah, it's not that kind of message. Okay, it's very lighthearted, uh, but at the same time, very powerful. So, can you turn your Bibles to Colossians one, fifteen to twenty-nine? And if someone's got a CEV, I would love you to read it. Yes, I just love that version. My version. Have you got it, Benny? ESV. Yeah, yeah, ESV will do. Same. Colossians 1 1. Benny, can you read Colossians? No, I can't. I'm over there. Dave's got it. 1 15 to 29. Oh, wow. Here we go. Okay, here we go. And what version? Any version. Okay, cool. Taking too long already. Let's go. Okay. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Keep going. Please the Father, that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross, blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you, you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Mm. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from, uh, from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known. What are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope, hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Preach finished. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So, I know what you're probably thinking. Okay, that's the Apostle Paul. He's the GOAT. Greatest of all time, how do we compare to him and the way he interprets scripture? But the crux of their message is about Jesus' supremacy. That he is king of his kingdom. He is the Alpha, the Omega. And Paul's relationship to that, his ministry was birthed from that. Okay? So I know Paul was special, but you were special too. And you'll see that as we go along today. Who is Jesus? Who Jesus is to Paul 
That mystery that he speaks of is him in us, the hope of glory, and him being a servant of the church. So the reason I'm sharing on this is because right where Jerry sits, a couple of weeks ago, I had a full-on encounter with God. Uh, it was the day after the AFL Grand Final, and my voice has gone. I could not sing the worship song because I gave it all the day before. I had, if you, if you know me around sport, I'm extremely passionate. I jump around. I've done more injuries in my life watching sport than actually playing sport. Uh, I give it all, you know. And I was at the front row, and I'm sitting there. I couldn't sing the songs uh, because of my voice, and I was already thinking about my plans after church. That's I'm being fully honest. That's what happened. And during worship, I felt God very subtly in his way say to me, what are you here for? What are you doing here? And that hit me right in my heart, just the way, just the way he talks to us. I didn't feel condemned. I just felt loved and corrected. And I want to share with you that this community, yes, we, we, we gather in a community hall, but Jesus is here. And as you just saw this, this, this afternoon, he is very, very real. And I like Paul. I, I want to be like Paul. And everything that happens in my ministry must birth from that place that Jesus is Lord. And that day that he spoke to me, Sean, what are you here for? I want you to think about that question as we go throughout today. So let's look at community. Let's look at that word. The definition of community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. It's a sharing of certain attitudes, common interests. A community is a social unit with commonality such as place, norms, religion, values, custom, and identity. You should put that at the bottom of our church. Look, it's a big one. <laughs> but let me give you an example. By this definition, hands up all those who live in Carrara. Is more than that. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> you are a part of the Carrara community. Those who live in Ashmore, put your hands up. Hey, just one. <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. You're a part of the Ashmore community. I should get more hands up for this. Who belongs to the Good Life Gym? Put your hand up. Hey! hey look <laughs> They're everywhere. Congratulations on doing your job, Kimmy. Congratulations. You're a part of the Good Life Gym community. Hands up. Those who consider themselves golfers. Oh, hey. Yes, Jess, you are. Congratulations, you're part of that golfing community. Hands up, those who can do two things at the same time. Congratulations, you're a woman, Ben. Is that show, that, that documentary on, have you guys seen it? Like, what is a woman? I'll tell you what a woman is. And I'm glad that the church is the only place you can say this with conviction, because it's the truth. An adult female who can do two things at once. That's what a female is. By definition, we are all part of some sort of community. Whether we actively engage in it or not is kind of irrelevant for this point. I'll give you, an, I'll give you a clue. If you live here in Narang or anywhere, does it matter if you're in a big house or a small house? No. Does it matter if you own that land or if you just rent a house. You're still a resident of that community. I love Ben's example a couple of weeks back of the gym membership. Whether you use it or not, you're still considered a member. Is that right? 
Whether you are a scratch golfer like me, or a, <laughs> or a beginner, uh, I see I got it wrong there. You're, you're still a definition. By de- this definition, you still can consider yourself part of the golfing community. But what's the difference? Why are we here? What, what makes the Christian community different to a club? Or are we just another club? We say that we're our community. We've got the venue that's in a community hall. But are we community by name and nothing else? Scary thought. Let's look back at Colossians 1. Let's read verse 18 again. This is the difference. And he, this is verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him bodily, and through him, Reconcile him to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is what Jesus means. This surely has to be the point of difference. The difference is Jesus, our King. He is the hope of glory. And those who follow him gather in his name and obviously strive to be like him. I'll give you an example of what doesn't happen. When you go into your gym, what's that gym called? Good Life Gym. Do you look around at all of the, um, what are they called? Ex- equipment. And you look at all the people sweating their guts out. Do you think to yourself, I would really love to, li- to, to meet the boss of this establishment. I would really want to meet the guy who runs this place. I want to be his friend. And I want to be just like him. No one. No one does that. What about the person who goes into a surf shop to buy a new surfboard? And he's just starting out and he walks in and he says, I want that five foot nine thrasher. And the guy says, yeah, yeah, aren't you a learner? Why do you want that? He says, because I'm the next Kelly Slater. Do they say that? They would laugh at you. Or if you say, I want this driver for my golf kit because I want to swing a club because I, I am the next Cam Smith. They would laugh at you. Not to try and shame you, but they just know that you've, you've got to start somewhere. We don't join a club to have a relationship with the person who owns it. Yet through his bride, Jesus chooses to execute his ultimate plan for the world's redemption through his church. His redemptive solution is the sharing of his truth that he is king and that Jesus saves. Has any of you ever been rescued before? Like, not Jesus' way, I know. Bear with me. Has anyone actually had their life saved by someone? Mel, you're lying. (laughs) No one. Well, let me tell you a story uh, how I was rescued, how I was saved. And it's a bit of a a full-on story. um, And it's an individual's story, which is funny because I'm talking about community. But there are three points that I can take from this experience that really uh, ran this point home. And, and you'll see throughout what I'm speaking about that the most important point about this is what makes a community is an individual's decision how much they want to be involved, how much they want to give themselves to that cause. So as a surfer, uh, that, that community, that surf community has got a few rules. Okay? So hands up any surfers. Not many. It's good. It's good. 
The reason that's good is because in my life, Jesus speaks directly through that parable to me. When I was on the street and first came into the house uh, that Mel and Edie were running, the way Mel got me in was saying, hey, we go surfing here all the time. So he brought me in, we had a barbecue, took me out surfing, and it was incredible. And ever since then, like even when I traveled over to Bethel and I was um, in some dream streams and learning about the prophetic, God always talked to me about surfing. And he always showed me that the place sort of to meet him is out the back, out the back of the waves. Okay? And that will become quite important in a second. So anyway, how I, got, how I got rescued. I woke up one day and I looked at the surf report, which is what you do. I looked at the surf report and it said huge swell, 6 to 10 feet, right at Main Beach, like just up the road from where you live. Uh, I nudged Karina and I was like, Coco, honey, the swell is huge but I need you to come watch me. And, uh, and she was like, I'm going to sleep. You know, she didn't really, but I said, honey, I said this, if you don't come, I'll die. <laughs> That's what I really said. And uh, she didn't believe me. I said, it's all right, I'm going out by myself. I drove down there. I looked at the waves and it was huge. And there was no one else out there. So if you're a real surfer, you know that's when you don't go out. But I was keen as a bean and there was one guy that was sort of hunched over at the front all full on, and I said, dude, was it, is it awesome? And he said, it's gnarly, like he's American, it's gnarly, man. Go out there and you enjoy yourself. So I did, and I saw the rip, and I just paddled out, and it didn't seem scary at all. Not until I was out the back. Once I was out the back, I looked at the, the, the skyscrapers in Main Beach, and I felt like I was over top of them. It was, it was huge. And I procrastinated by then, because you were in too deep then. And I realized that what was Main Beach when I went in was close to Naranek. I had swept up miles up, 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 the, up the coast, and I was, I was packing it. I was freaking out. And I realized I've just got to commit. <laughs> I've got to take a wave and commit to this thing. So I found out that they were. They were about eight feet. Now, in surface terms, that's quite, quite big, isn't it, Mel? I'm not making this up. And I just went for it. So I'm... I'm, I'm I, Catch a wave, I'm on top of it, and then I, I'm at the top just before the drop-in, and it's like I'm on, the, about on top of this building, it felt like, and there's nothing underneath me. There's no wave. And it just gave out underneath me. I hit the water, smashed me board, cut my lead rope, and I was out there, just me and the Lord. <laughs> I'm bobbing around, and set after set drops on my head. I, I counted three, uh, two, one, you're done. And I, was, I, I had actually committed my soul to the Lord. There was a time, and, I, and that's why I'm saying this is experience was extremely humbling, but I rolled over onto my back and I said to God, I love you, Father. I'm glad I'm in this position where I can thank you at the end, uh, but I just give my soul to you. Thank you for the life I've had. Tell my wife I love her. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. And thankfully, 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 someone on the road had waved down a lifeguard because they weren't, it was before the lifeguard started. So it was quite early. And uh, this guy came powering out. He saved me. He got me, pulled me to shore. And I just sat on the side of the shore, just breathing heavy. I was in shock. And guess who came along? My, my darling wife had walked the whole way. And she was just magically, or by God's design, there to comfort me in my, my biggest, like, scariest moment. And I tell you, I learned some things that day. One, how, how great God is and one, how, how incredibly fortunate I was. 
Uh, but two, just how fragile your life is. How fragile your life, your life truly is. Um, it took me a while to get back in the surf, as you'd understand. It took me a long while, and I actually uh, I went out to the man who helped teach me. His name's Tooley. He's a local surfer down south, and, and he's the man. Everyone says, hey, Tooley, you know. And I said to him, I said, dude, I'm really struggling to get back in the surf. He said, you know what will help you? He pulled his phone out and showed me the shark attack of the guy that died in Mermaid. And I'm looking at it like, why would I want to see that? And since that made it worse because I started seeing shadows. So when I went in the water and I went under the water, I'm thinking I'm seeing that shark jump straight back out. You know, and I'm, I'm freaking out. And I was like, dude, that didn't help at all. And the, the crazy thing about that is I personified a lot of that hurt. A lot of that fear. Okay? But I did learn something. And t- like right now, I can tell you about the three things that I learned. Number one, the appre- with regards to community, is the appreciation of momentum. Momentum cannot be manufactured, especially when you're out in that big swell. A surfer rides on momentum. He cannot duck dive in a swimming pool. He cannot catch a wave in a swimming pool where there's no momentum. You cannot, uh, although it can't be manufactured, it's easy from the outside to identify. Meaning you'll see some organizations, even churches, charity groups, if they've got momentum, it's quite easy to see, yeah, these guys are going places, these guys are doing stuff. And as a surfer, that's what you literally ride on, is the momentum. It's God's nature to build in us, his church, that that spirit of momentum, letting the Holy Spirit move you from glory to glory and from strength to strength. Do you understand? Number two, ride the small waves before you ride the big waves. <laughs> Luke 16.10, be faithful and small, therefore God will make you faithful and much. I've heard many Christians over the years tell me how they want to preach to thousands in Africa, yet would be scared to share the hope they have in Christ with their neighbor. I see people getting distracted by chasing demons and dragons and government oppression and all this stuff, yet struggle with daily simple disciplines like reading your Bible every day or praying or the importance of corporate worship. We must get focused on doing the small things so that we can steward the big waves and stand up on the momentum that God has for our future. Number three, do not fear Do not let fear or trauma cause you to stop, just like me. Took me ages to get back there, but once I did, I enjoyed it. And what did I do? One of the first surfs, me and Mel, went on. We decided to switch boards for some reason. I had his long board, he had his short board. We party wave, which you're not supposed to do. Turned around, crushed his ribs. (laughs) Mel was out of action. I was like, I'm giving up. Point was, I I didn't give up, okay? Scary stuff happens whether you're going to get eaten by a shark or big waves like I did and scary things happen in the life of the church believe me when I say this there's no hurt like church hurt there's no pain like church pain and if you've been around long enough you understand you'll understand what I'm talking about it can be very very hard to get over I've counseled many people over the years who have been burnt out or even tortured by church leaders. 
While I understand the pain that they've gone through, I also know how big God is and what he can do. It's so easy to be split, even within communities. And I want to show you this. I want to actually show you guys a little example of how easy communication and things can break down within a community. Okay, so spread out a little bit. Just give yourselves a little bit of room. Mum, can you help me? Because you've seen this before. <laughs> I don't come up with my own stuff. Just spread out just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you instructions in a minute. Just leave that there. Make uh, sort of just random, I guess. Yeah. But okay. or that side. So yeah, we'll make this side that side. Okay, looks like we've got Mel. Can you just shift to the right with the smart people on the right-hand side, darling? Now these pieces of paper. Do not look at them. Put them on your leg, facing down. Put your hand on it so you can't read what it is. My lovely assistant Edith will <coughs> disperse with these pen. Actually, Tim, you do. If you've got a piece of paper, I did not expect this many people here, my boy. There's so many people here. So put it face down. These are the rules. Okay, there's no talking and there's no cheating. Mum is going to sit right here. If you see anyone cheat, you tell them off. You cannot share, you cannot talk. You can only raise your hand when the time comes. Okay. In a second, you're going to do one word at a time. Mel, you're already cheating. I can see you, mate. Why didn't you yell at him, Mum? I didn't see it. <laughs> okay. One word at a time. You are going to jumble up the words, the word that's there, and make it another word. They call it an uh, anagram. My guy. I was going to say acronym, but it's not. When you do it, when you're finished, you must just raise your hand quietly. One word only. The first word that comes, go. Just the first word. Okay, you're done. Who's done? Hand up. Oh, do you want one? Whoa. Oh, wow. That's wow. It is amazing. No talking, no cheating on this side of the room. Do I have to use all the, all the letters? All the letters. All the letters for the first word. So there's been an awful lot of talking about that. You know what I mean? Talking is not one of the words. Okay, just do that again. Okay. Um, show of hands again. Who's got it? The first one? Okay. Let's just leave that there. That's good. Congratulations to those who have got it. Can I just check what word you got? Oh, well done. Thank you. Okay. And number two. Let's do the second word. No speaking. All the letters. Second word. Go. Put your hand. Oh, wow. People finished already. Are you sure? Can I just check that? <laughs> hands up. Keep them high. Okay, can I just check that word? It's a different word. There's two words. One word we're trying to get. It's good. That's the best one I've seen. That's actually very good, Ben. Yeah, it's got to use all this. Yeah. All the letters. And it can't be German. Yeah. Or Spanish. There is a German word, but it's got to be English. It's Schmetterling. Wow, we smashed it. Okay, again, 
This side of the room seems to have got it. This side of the room seems to not have got it. Okay, last one. This is a race. Tell me the last one. Just put your hand up, actually. Don't cheat. Yep, again. Someone's got it on this side of the room. When you've got it, still, still race, keep going. Keep doing it. Keep going until you've got it. Is, I'll give you a, no, yeah, I'm not even going to give you a clue. You should know better. That's all I'm going to yeah, say to you. You should know better. All right. It's, I want one more person to get it. Yep, Josh has got it? Yep, of course he does. Okay. Do you understand what I was trying to do there? I was purposely making a rift between two sides of the room. Because... What words did you have on this side of the room for the first two? I had nothing. No, no. no, no. What were the actual words on oh, your... Well. Well cannot be translated. Number two? Slapstick. Slapstick cannot be translated any way you try. What were your first words? Slapstick. Bat. Bat. <laughs> Bat can be translated to what? Tab. Tab. Number two? Lemon. Lemon. Oh, lemon. So what's, what's the word lemon, you guys? Melon. Melon. And number three? Cinerama. Uh, if I had given this side of the room Cinerama first, I promise you, you all would have solved it. Same word. You guys had the same word. And these guys got it quickly. There's a reason why this happened. American. American is a basic... Thanks, Mum. That's all I need from you, my dear. Um, America, American is a very, very easy word to do. Now, the reason there's a cyclic... I've got to pull it back here, you guys. I've got to pull it back. There's a reason why this happened. It's because you saw people celebrating an early victory. And what did that do to you? Be honest. Made you feel a little bit sad. Like, hey. Jess Rates was beating me in a game. <laughs> You felt like, oh, these guys might be judged. Like, I, I know you're so very smart, especially people on the side. You would have been like, hey, what's going on? Am I stupid? Did I get this wrong? Have I got the same stuff these guys have got? And then by the time the last word came along, most of you, if I'm being correct, and this goes real, you gave up. Honest? Who gave up on this side? Put I love you guys for your honesty. If I had shown you that word first, you would have got it easily. I can point that even within this community, there is differences of opinions, theologies, and all that sort of stuff. Levels of how long you've been um, a student of the Bible, or a Christian, or saved. And the point is, no matter what the difference is, you shouldn't be in a culture that makes you want to quit. No matter how difficult it can be, no matter what's going on around you, you shouldn't be in that position to say, hey, I just give up. It's just too hard. When I know it's not too hard. That word was the same word that these guys got, except they were in a culture of encouragement. They all felt a little bit of a buzz. You notice that little, that little buzz in the air, like, oh, we're smarter than you. That's what happened on this side of the room, especially up the back. Okay? And that's a great exercise. So let's wrap Man, they went quicker than I thought. So let's wrap up. We've established that Jesus' sovereignty and supremacy, that he is the head. And this is what separates us 
from all other forms of community. We want to be more like Him and shine His light as members of His body. The community we build, even here, is so, so important. This week I had hundreds of visitors at, uh, at where I work. Hundreds. And yet, one visitor made my day. And she's just walked out of here. Where is she? She's just outside, isn't she? Murphy's Law. Jess! There she is. Jessica Rates came and visited me in my office this week. And it made my day. It made my whole week. A tough week. Her cherry face. Didn't she, Lisa? Lisa was in there with me. She walked in. Why? Because she is my sister in Christ in this community. When I visit my charity on a Wednesday morning, I see Cherie, Dave, and Kirsten. This makes my heart explode to a whole new level. Why? Because they are my sisters and brothers in Christ within this community. Friday night, I was honoured uh, to visit Tim and Taryn at their beautiful new home. And I can do nothing else but marvel and rejoice with them at God's ultimate favour over their life. And I do that because he and their family, the Hotsons, are extensions of my family within this community. Last night, I got to see the very lawnmower <laughs> that Ben spoke about last week. I saw it with my own eyes. It's real. And I could rejoice with Ben, not only at his awesome lawnmower, but his house and a sense of community within his own home. Why? Because they are our parents within this community, within this very place. Jesus is the reason why my office lights up when Jess walks in. Jesus is the reason why Kirsten and the girls, and Dave, light up separate care breakfasts. Jesus is the reason why the Rads and the Hotsons own their own home. He is the head of this church, and he should be the head of our lives. I uh, 100% agree with Ben's statement last week, that there is enough people in this room to change the world. I admire three people in my life that have passed away. These people model themselves around one truth, one scriptural verse. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. The golden rule, it's called. It inspired these three people who I love. Nelson Mandela, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa. They, just three people, changed the world. What happened when they died? The whole world mourned. Just three people. That's less than our front row in this church. God has chosen and commissioned you to change your world. God has commissioned and chosen you to change your world. He's chosen Lisa to start a new job, working with people that she felt way out of her depth, but gives her the strength that she needs to help those who are in dark places. Chosen. God commissioned and chose Timmy to be a part of a successful business. Sales that could potentially take him to Europe next week. I'm praying for that. Incredible. Incredible stuff. And that's because he has chosen and he knows his role within this community. So these things I've shared with you today, take them to heart. I'm going to pray in a second for everyone. But it's no light thing we do when we come here on a Sunday. 
or wherever we gather. Jesus didn't have a fancy building like this one. He would have had church out there in that park or by a river. The location isn't as important as what work he is doing through his Holy Spirit here. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for each and every person that participated today that can hear my heart, not of judgment, Father, but the place we, the, the role we play within this community. Father, let us get alone with you in the, next, in the next week or so to answer that question, why do we come here? Why are we here, Father? And if it's not for you, let it be for you. Encourage us. Send people, send angels, send, send ministers of truth, send our brothers and sisters around to encourage us and give us what we need to understand where we fit in your community, God, where we fit in your kingdom. So God, I thank you for your lordship and I thank you for your love. You are king in this place and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.